0: Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor in chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week I talked to Rusty Dials, director of EHS for ESFM, about the importance of psychological safety. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Rusty Dials, director of EHS for ESFM. Welcome to the program, Rusty. Thanks, Jay. Um, I was wondering before we kind of uh, jump into uh, talking about psychological safety, if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do for ESFM.
1: Absolutely. I'd be happy to. So as you said, um, I'm the National Director of Environment, Health, and Safety for ESFM. Um, I have been in EHS for 20 plus years. Um, I got started in, in heavy manufacturing like sawmills and paper mills and then kind of moved over to... Um, a little bit lighter uh, manufacturing with semiconductors and did some consulting before I wound up with ESFM. And so I've been with uh, ESFM for five years. Um, We're a sector of Compass Group, um, which is a very large global corporation. um, And we are the integrated facilities management um, arm, so to speak, of Compass Group.
0: Excellent. Well, wanted to talk to you today about psychological safety, and I was wondering if you could uh, sort of give me your definition of, of what psychological safety is.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and really psychological safety to me is about people being comfortable to speak up and speak their mind um, and not, and I say comfortable, but even more encouraged. Um, they feel okay, they, they feel fine with admitting mistakes, asking questions. Um, they're not afraid of, of someone making fun of them or even punish them, punishing them for them not knowing. Um, I attended a course, uh, one of the safety conferences, a course, and in, in, uh, the instructor, Dr. Stephen Simon, had a great, had a great uh, analogy for it. Um, he said that if organ, organizational culture is what happens when no one is watching, then psychological safety is what happens when everyone is watching.
0: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, so how much progress would you say businesses have made in terms of supporting their workers' mental health?
1: They've made amazing strides. I mean, as I said earlier, I've been in the uh, EHS for 20-plus years, and when I first came out of college and, and started working, mental health was barely spoken about, right? Mm. Um we had, most companies had the, the EAP, the Employee Assistance Program, which, for what it was, I mean, so happy that we had that. But at the time, it just wasn't talked about a lot. Um, and then from a safety perspective, we spoke a lot about, um, you know, buzzwords like empowerment and engagement, but there were very rarely any actions or backing across process that so I think we've come a, a great deal I've attended several courses um, during safety conferences about psychological safety it's more written about we're on a podcast about it right now so yeah. I, I think companies companies recognize the importance um, and and it's just getting a lot more traction than it did 20 years ago
0: do you think that's uh, partially because of a, a generational shift? Uh, where you know younger workers are maybe be more concerned about that than uh, you know sort of the older generations were
1: you know yeah so so I think yes that, that that's a piece of it um definitely that um, it, as as the, the the younger generation grows up in general we're speaking more about mental health there's more knowledge about it we've learned more so I think that's one piece of it's just the advent of technology where we can do more research and, and and as individual consumers learn more about our own mental health. But then that younger generation grew up with that freedom in a way that the older generations, like myself included, didn't. Um, so they're not afraid to speak about it. But I do think it's, it's a, a little bit of both in that aspect.
0: Because it's really now, I think people aren't afraid to say, well, if my mental or psychological health isn't being supported at this company. I'm just going to go somewhere else.
1: Absolutely. I completely agree. And, and just with conversations with um, colleagues and you know, associates through the, the most recent years. Um, yes, that's that's becoming more and more of a consideration when, you know, people are looking at companies. Um, what is the the environment that I'm going to be working in? Is it a toxic work environment? Is it going to impact my mental health? That's again, as you said, that's becoming more and more important.
0: Uh, how much of a an impact did the pandemic have on sort of, I guess, paying attention to you know uh, psychological safety and mental health?
1: You know, that's that's an interesting question and one I hadn't really thought about until this moment. But I think it had a a very big impact um, on psychological safety, on our mental health. Um, So many people went from, you know, as humans, we're social creatures, right? So, so many people went from seeing people every day, interacting with the public and interacting with coworkers to not seeing or speaking to anyone for for months in some cases. So, one, that had a, a huge, I think, negative impact just on those, you know, our mental health. And then because of that, because we started seeing, you know, especially like with school children, um, so many were starting to struggle with school because they didn't have that interaction. Um, And so I think that the pandemic brought that to light in a way. And from there, it got reported on, there were statistics, it got studied. The media spoke about it in a way that we had never done in the past right? Because all news there for a while was the pandemic and the impacts of pandemic. But I completely agree. I think it shed more, I think it really shed more light on the situation.
0: You know, and obviously like companies that were able to have people work from home, you know, obviously did that in large numbers. And uh, I imagine that's had an effect on both sort of that isolation feeling, but also, you know, how a company can sort of stay in touch with, uh, with those workers who are working from home, correct?
1: Yes, yes. Um, I was one of the fortunate ones that, that um, you know, my job just in general, I was able to work from home as, as many of us were. Um, and it, it forced us to look at how do we interact with technology and still get that um, positive impact. From you know, uh, being able to see and speak to our coworkers, that positive impact of of connection. Um, and I think you know, at least with my company, we we started um, forcing everyone to put their their cameras on so we could see yeah. each other while we're talking to it. Um, so so yeah, I think that was. Um, I think a lot of companies have reassessed uh, how they do business because of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, speaking personally, I'm still working from home most of the time. I think they my company's had us go in once a week, um, which is, you know, kind of enough to, to see people. But then you're kind of, you know, back, you know, uh, by yourself for, you know, four of the five days of the week. But um, and, you know, I, I never worked from home prior to the pandemic unless I absolutely had to. Uh, And now I can't imagine not doing it. But, (laughs) uh, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, an adjustment is, you know, especially for companies that had people going back in, you know, what are some of the things that they had to do to kind of, uh, I guess, help workers readjust to, you know, sort of the old way of working as opposed to, you know, the remote way? You know, I think a lot
1: of companies... I think you're right. I think they had to take a look at how we've been doing business um, and how can we do business? How can we get people back to work um, if they wanted people in the actual office? But also, you know, how do we get them to readjust? And I think I think it all boils down to, again, with within psychological safety or those aspects of, you know, what do our associates need? Um what makes them uh enjoy what create what in what creates the environment that they enjoy? what connections do they need um and a lot of companies I think are looking at that and saying, okay, maybe it's something simple like um you know a, a lunch social or maybe it's more of team activities um or Different types of one-on-one meetings. Um, again, maybe doing a little bit slow, but then taking what they're learning from that, from these these different activities, taking what they're observing as as people come back into the office um, or continue along with you know working from home, and adjusting how they interact with people. Um, because again, one size doesn't fit all. So it's important that uh, businesses give have multiple avenues um, for people to, to connect and for managers to work with their associates and for um, that feedback, that give and take of information um, between uh, employees. And from there, making sure that they're, they're, they're comfortable. I mean, because that's really all it is, is about is, is making sure that associates are coming back, enjoying what they're working, feeling comfortable having, you know, the being able to speak up and, and talk to each other about things. So I, I think I rambled a little bit on that, but I, I think that's the biggest thing is is just people, companies um, assessing themselves and seeing what works and what doesn't.
0: Because, you know, you mentioned it earlier, you know, the companies used to, you know, they'd have an EAP and they kind of say, you know, if you, you know have any issues, just go to the EAP and, you know, or, or you yeah. know, go to this, you know, website or, you know, call HR or something. But uh, it seems you know. like now that, you know, companies need to kind of go beyond that lip service and really kind of, you know, uh, show that they prioritize psychological safety. So I think, you know, don't, you just mentioned some ways to do that. Uh, is it, is a real key, to just sort of you know actually like talking to the you know to individual employees to see how they're doing as opposed to having them fill out a survey or you know what I mean like like is it kind of that that you know actually talking yeah. to somebody to to really know what's going on
1: well i I think both are valuable still um again as we as we grow as as we mentioned earlier about you know older generations versus younger g- generations, I think we still have to have all those avenues for, for that, that conversation, because there are some people that it's just part of their personality. They're not going to, they're not going to want to talk and feel comfortable with that one-on-one conversation. So having that anonymous survey, you know, there's value there, but then there's others um, that absolutely, you're going to get more out of them having that one-on-one conversation or doing small group, You know, kind of focus groups and having conversations like that. Um, And, but I do think we have to be straightforward about it and open about it. Um, I I think that um, we have to put a focus on actively changing a culture or actively um, talking to associates about how are you doing? Um, You know, a lot of companies have instituted mental health days. Um, I know, at least here at ESFM, we, uh, we do a lot of you know, safety topics and conversations about mental health, um, and that flows into you know, diversity and inclusion as well. Those kind of go hand in hand with psych- psychological safety, and I, I know a lot of companies are um, doing a really good effort on uh, their, their diversity and inclusion groups um, and getting that information out there as well
0: what are, uh, you know, some of the ways or signs to look for uh, when you're assessing an employee's psychological safety? Like, you know, somebody might tell you they're doing all right when they really aren't. So, you know, what are some ways to kind of, you know, kind of really, uh, and obviously without being too intrusive, but, uh, you know, (laughs) I imagine there's kind of ways to, you know, to figure out like, all right, this person's maybe struggling a little bit.
1: Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. That's a great question. It, you're you're looking at all aspects of of the associate it's a lot easier when you know that person individually so like if if you've been the manager of that employee for a long time you know what their performance looks like you know what their daily attitude looks like so that's a lot easier um to be able to watch where oh gosh you know their performance is kind of slacking off or they they normally rock you know that meeting and they were not they felt like not prepared for it or um they always have a smile for everyone, and, and they're not—they're not as into it or happy as normal. And those are some some easy things, observations. And, and as you said, then you have to break the conversation easy to um, to try to help. Um, and you, that's that's the tactic you have to take is just trying to help. It becomes harder when you don't know the people very well. Um, say it's a new employee or it's somebody you in a different department you don't work very often with. Um, it becomes a bit more difficult, and, and it, it's still along the same lines of observing their actions, um, but, you know, you're looking for someone that shows the typical signs of, of um, withdrawing, right? So they're looking down, they're not engaging with people, they're not talking, and, and yes, some people, that's a part of their personality, and, and that's what you have to figure out when you don't know the person that well, but... You're observing how they interact. You're observing what, how their performance is, what they're doing, um, where they stumble, where they thrive. Um, So when you don't know the person as well, it takes a little bit longer to get to that point where you can say, hey, you know, I've noticed this. Are you okay?" And let's have a conversation. Don't start the conversation with, are you okay?" Because to your point, most of us will just say, I'm fine. Yeah. 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 but but ask those open-ended questions. You know, how are things going at home? How are things, how did you feel about this? Um, how did that make you feel? I noticed you kind of didn't do, t- I don't want to say didn't do so good because you don't want to be negative, but you felt like you you weren't as confident as normal with that meeting. Um, all just open-ended questions trying to get to, to draw them out. And sometimes you're, you're wildly successful and, and sometimes you're not
0: and then I imagine you know we were talking about remote workers before i mean it must get pretty challenging when you've got somebody who's you know working you know not in not in in the office maybe even across the country or across the world um you know the, the challenge there is to to kind of you know like is it is it just sort of staying in contact more to you know to get a better sense of of the person or like how what how would you recommend for you know, dealing with remote workers and kind of getting a sense of how they're doing psych- psychologically.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the, the first step is is staying in touch more. Um, and then it goes back again to that feedback. Um, it's, or the conversation and then feedback, sorry. But it's, it's all about what you start with. As, as companies, as we grow, we want to make sure that we're growing um, we have a growth mindset, and we're growing in a positive and inclusive way. So that's that's kind of number one. And with those remote remote workers, they do create a challenge. Um, and having frequent contacts or check-ins, um, and having conversations again, not just about work, but in general, how to, asking more open-ended questions and how things made you feel, or how how are you dealing with something, um, and then getting feedback. So. Once that person does open up to you, it's so very important that you address any concerns that they have, bring feedback to them, get back with them or um, provide help. If they if they say, hey, I I need help with X, Y, Z. Try to do something. Sometimes you can't you can't take care of everything. Right. But at least have a conversation with them about why you can't help or why you can't do whatever it might be. But. Keeping in contact them, contact with them and and um, trying to support them as they need, getting to trying to figure out what they need and then supporting them in that way, I think goes a long way. Um, but it'll always be difficult with remote workers. There's just um, our technology hasn't caught up with that yet. Hopefully, sometime soon, it will.
0: <laughs> well, and it's also uh, easier, you know, if you're sitting, you know, on a Zoom call or whatever to. You know it's it's harder to tell really, like you know if the person's just being quiet because they're on a call or if there's something more going on.
1: absolutely, absolutely. And that that gets back to trying to know the people that you work with or work for um, or work for you. Uh, again, as humans, we we all value connection. Um, and so making sure that we as leaders are showing that we care um, are Supporting our employees, all of those things lead down the road to making that associate feel more safe, making them feel more comfortable talking about whatever's going on.
0: Uh, and I imagine, you know, if you are talking to an employee, uh, you know, remote or, or otherwise, and you sense that there's something that they're suffering a little bit psychologically. There's a pretty wide range of things you can do to help them. Uh, correct?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And, it, and it's not just call the EAP anymore. Even though right. the, Maybe the can, EAP yeah. is it's it's a great resource. Yeah. Um, but but uh, there there's absolutely a lot more that that can be done now. And it, and and if we have that frank and open conversation, um, it, it's all about figuring out what that associate needs because it might be something simple like you need to go to the EAP and maybe get some free counseling. The EAP has grown so much with what they offer now, but along those lines, there's other options. Um, you know, maybe it's something with work where, you know, we've got an associate that's, you know, relating it to, to ESFM, we've got an associate that might um work by themselves out uh, in a in an area, a remote area. And all they see is one or two people and, and they, they don't talk to their boss very often or um, they just don't interact with associates. You can take a look at that and say, OK, what are the needs of those associates? Um, what are the needs of the organization? And adjust. Maybe it's as simple as, as we said earlier, having a weekly check in with their manager for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's can we do a rotating schedule where these people aren't on night shift all the time? Maybe they filter up and they go for two weeks on day shift and then people on day shift filter back or some schedule adjustments. It could be that someone needs more assistance. They feel overwhelmed by the tasks that they're doing. So it might be as a manager, you assign them somebody to help them or, or make it into a a buddy system. Um, So, so there's, again, there's, so many different ways we can help our associates. It's it, it's really limitless. It's all about assessing what's needed, um, and then what you're what you're able to provide. Unfortunately, there are going to be those times that it's a lot more difficult, um, and, and nobody wants to have that tough conversation. But again, be open and frank, and have that tough conversation, and see if there are alternatives that will, you know, help that associate um, and help them again, whatever it might be, because it's what bothers us as humans. It's just so much. It could be work. It could be something personal at home. It could be physical, right? Um, I could have a physical ailment that's just depressing me that I can't do personal things the way I used to. Um, And so what will fix that is uh, maybe it's a group lunch and you know, that's going out and, and just talking in general with with coworkers, or maybe it's extra time off. Um, so, again, there's, there's just so many different uh, creative ways that we can, we can help our associates.
0: And you mentioned earlier, um, you know, surveys like anonymous surveys of the, the entire workforce can also be helpful to sort of just get a general gauge, right, on sort of how people are doing.
1: Absolutely. And a lot of companies have gone to that where they're doing um, annual surveys, not just, you know, they, they do it for operational reasons or quality reasons or safety reasons, but it's so much, it's so easy to add some of those questions in to, to take the temperature of, of how are, our how are people feel from a, from a psychological safety aspect. Um, sometimes you can see those uh, simple answers. Um, sometimes they're a lot more complex. Um, but I think I think those those type of surveys have come a long way. The key thing is just making sure that we have multiple avenues that somebody can talk because there are those that are uh, tech averse and they don't want to do that online survey. So, so you got to have the paper listen. And that's OK. Whatever whatever gets the most information, the quality information, whatever feels most comfortable uh, with with our people
0: yeah it sounds like the key is really to be flexible just sort of in how you approach people and then sort of what you do once you know once you're in contact with them
1: yes it it really is um and as an organization and as an individual um so from an organizational standpoint uh I think it's important that the organization tries to 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 be flexible and adjust as needed and i think I think that's a positive thing in a lot of different realms um and then individually um, and then in teams as well. So, you know, making sure you're if you're creating a, a team that they're flexible in and able to adjust with the different personalities of people. And then, as you said, as an individual, being able to whether you're a manager and associate, being able to adjust um, and uh, meet the needs of, of those people in front of you.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it's pretty challenging but uh, obviously uh preferable to sort of like, you know, what you were seeing when you first got into the industry, correct?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It's so worthwhile. Um it, companies that that are that put a focus on psychological safety and put a focus on on, you know, their their culture and, and growth of their culture, they're just they almost always have healthier um healthier associates, healthier employees. They have higher performing employees. Um, they are more innovative. I mean, it just, it factors into so many things that we do um, as a business, but then also personally. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm very happy that I'm happy to get up and go to work on Monday. <laughs> yeah, Monday. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it so much easier, right?
0: Yeah. You don't want to be dreading that, you know, getting up and you know what you have to do that day so
1: absolutely nobody wants to feel that uh that uh, heavy heavy pressure of of oh i've got to go go back yeah um
0: well rusty i want to thank you so much for joining me today this has been great
1: absolutely i really appreciate um um joining you in, in this conversation um hopefully it uh hopefully it helps
0: i think it will so all right have a good one
1: Thanks, usual.
0: That wraps up episode 159 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.